Was there still... There was still Pepsi in that, wasn't there? No, I know what I'm doing. Okay, don't... Ben's... I don't know what he's doing. He's, well, he's got a lot of cups I, going I, on. I, Sorry, you can't see... I know, I, I can't. Okay. You can't see us, yeah. I, I, I trust you. Hey guys, welcome back to the Artist Podcast, official podcast of digital and creative media works. For each week, we take some from pop culture and try to break it down to better understand it. My name is David. Hello, my name is Ben. And Ben, this week we are joined again by returning guest, Danielle. Hello there. Thanks for having me. Danielle comes to us from Level Story Magazine. Issue number three just dropped, Danielle. Very exciting. Yeah, I've read through it. Congrats on issue three. Thank you. It means a lot. Do you want to uh, tell the folks a little bit about uh, issue three and, and the magazine just before we kick off? Yeah, so Level Story is a magazine about uh, critiquing and celebrating story and video game. And this most recent issue was about Kingdom Hearts 1. For those of you who don't know, that's uh, the Square Enix and Disney title. They combine them together. And it's one of my favorite games. And basically the issue just goes into what turns out to be a lot of the flaws of the game. I didn't intend for that, but it's also mm. celebrating it. Um, so I I think it's fun. You, you have a good time reading it. I the, when I was reading, like, so I've read through it, I think, two and a half times now. Because oh, wow. a lot of, like, I don't know anything about anything about Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts to be completely honest <laughs> with you. So it's all very fresh and new to yeah. me. And it, it, it didn't strike me so much as flaws, just as, like, things that, as the game ages, become more and more evident. I think, um, which is something that I think we'll talk about a bit today as well, Mm. where just like things that stick out to you as odd or esoteric um, in hindsight, but I I thoroughly enjoyed it, so go check that out. uh, What's the best URL for that? It's levelstory.net, isn't it? It is, yes. Excellent. So go check that out, and then of course at the end we'll we'll revisit and uh, tell them where you can, tell people where they can find you on the internet. Uh, But this week uh, we brought you back in because we're talking about another uh, video game that has a lot of story in it. And a lot of walking. A lot of walking last time. You... <laughs> All right, pal. Last time we talked about Firewatch, a game that is a radio communication simulation video game. Uh, Firewatch tries to be, but simulation video game. This week we are talking about the OG, the original, because this week we are talking about the meaning of Dear Esther. Oh my lord. I can't believe it's game. taken us four and a half years to do this. Can I just ask, mm. how many times have you both played this game? Uh, I'm at like um, 10 I, or 12. I played it once when it came out in the... Break the good old year of uh, 2012. Yeah, well, that was, um, okay. that was when it came out. That was when the re. We'll get to that. It came out originally 2009, but let's not right. Oh. Yeah, it's when the um the oh, yeah. the retail version yeah. came out. But uh, yeah, like what? How many times did you say? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a few, a few. And and Daniel, this this was your first time, right, for for this recording? Yeah, I played once, and then I played again last night just to try to get some kind of sense of. What was going on? <laughs> what the hell's going yeah, on? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, I played this a lot, so hopefully I can kind of help maybe navigate you guys through this weird yeah. figure of There's nonsense. layers um, of, of reference. Yeah, so if for those of you not playing along at home, Dear Esther is a 2009 exploration narrative-driven game following the story of a man on an abandoned island written by Paul Pinchbeck and Pub... Uh, Dan Pinchbeck and published by the Chinese Room. Um, it came out in 2009, then again in 2012 as kind of a Redux version of a different engine. And then again, and it's come in out like again 2015. And like 2015 in a different yeah. engine again. So it's been kind of remade a, a handful of times. Essentially, the things that remain the same are the navigational elements, the script itself, the narration, and the kind of island itself. It's just all hmm. kind of been remastered and remeshed. Um, so before we get into the summary, let's do a quick roundtable. What did you guys think? So let's start with you, Danielle. You have the freshest eyes on this. What did you think going into it? 
you know, I'll tell you, I still am having a hard time figuring out what's going on, but <laughs> I love it mm-hmm. a lot. Excellent, excellent. Love it a lot. It's a, it's a glowing recommendation. Uh, ben, what about you? The first time I played this was when the retail version came out. And it's funny, there's a, there's a, there's a screenshot I put up on Facebook of like, like part of my playthrough when I played it all the way back in fresh year of 2012. Adam, can we see that on screen? No, he's not getting access to my... Oh, shit. He, no, he does have my yeah. Facebook. Anyway, Thanks, Adam. There's like a comment thread in there of me like aggressively defending this game oh. against someone who I assumed has either blocked me or deleted their account because their comments are not there. Oh. It's just my comments oh, being very oh, aggressive. No. Yeah. So fun fact from that comment thread, uh, the original release of... Uh, Dear Esther was profitable within six hours of its com- of it coming out. That's because um, it cost next to nothing. Probably because it cost next to nothing. Yeah, but it was it was pretty successful as a game when it came out. Mate, it sold nine hundred fifty million units today. <laughs> pretty successful. It's pretty successful. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, there's it's it's kind of I don't know. It, it's lost a bit of the mystique. I don't. Okay. After like Firewatch, especially, it's like going back to Dear Esther is pretty pretty hard. Y- um, you know what it is? I think. It's just not a lot in it. No, I, I don't want to preempt it too much, but it's it's a bit like when you're like 14 and you just you discover Lovecraft and you right. and you're like enchanted you by it. And right. You think it's the best thing ever. You think it's like super deep. Dearest yeah. is a bit like that where you come back to it as an adult and you go, yeah, I see the merit in this, but it's not it's not the glowing philosophical well I thought it was. Just because I can say insanguinate doesn't make it smart. Yeah, I still think it's good. I th- I would like compare it to Annihilation, where it's like yeah it's good as like a analysis piece mm-hmm. like you can dive into it and there's a lot of really cool stuff you can find and a lot of cool like references and you can kind of like build these connections and it's like it's fun to like dig through mm-hmm. and like figure it out and yeah. once you like realize some of the like references that it's Which making you're we'll like oh my god it, like, yeah that's when, crazy and it's especially given the esoteric nature of the way the scripting works yeah depending on when you play it and how many times you played it you will have a completely different opinion as to the narrative as other yeah, people. It's, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun to put together. That, that being that being said, let me try with the summary. Sure. And we'll get to why this may not be an accurate summary because it is kind of complicated. Yeah. My my kind of take on it was sort of a similar thing. I was less enchanted by it, but I just think that's an age thing. I just think it was I've played smarter stuff. I played things that are more philosophical. Like I appreciate Batman Begins now. Like I've gone through <laughs> some growth as a, as a, someone that can read text, and I just. I appreciate what it's trying to do. I just think in some places it misses because of that random element. We'll get to that later. So time for the summary. On a, Do you know how to say Hebridean? I think no. it's Hebridean. No one does. On a Hebridean island, you walk from one end to the other, listening to a narrator read fragments of letters to his deceased wife, Esther. The letters are often slightly contradictory, and as you discover derelict buildings and long-abandoned homes, you learn of several other characters. Donnelly, who originally charted the island... Paul, who may have been the drunk driver who caused Esther's accident and death, and a shepherd named Jakobsen, who lived on the island in the 18th century. Through the game, the world morphs and shifts into pseudo-diegetic images and sounds from the narrator's letters, and all the while a figure watches from the distance, never revealed to us. The game does not so much end as it stops, and the player is left to draw their own conclusions about Esther and the island, and whether any of this had any meaning whatsoever. Ultimately, we become a bird and soar across the island, leaving it forever. Credits. I like to point out, Danielle, you had like a face when David mentioned the figure watching. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm curious. <laughs> do you not know? Do you were you like what, what can, is sorry, talking about? For some about? clarity, Ben can see you. I, I can. Can't. I can uh, see the webcam. Yeah. Okay. Do you not know about the, f- the figure? <laughs> the figure? No, no, no. no, I know about it. I saw it like toward. 
I guess it was kind of toward the end of the game, almost toward the end. And I thought, oh, are we going to yeah. meet somebody? And then it wasn't there. No, but no. then yesterday when I replayed, I was walking kind of <laughs> down this hill and I saw like a cave and I saw it again. And I was like, it was kind of really quick and then it disappeared. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, so, yes. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, that's so exciting to hear you say yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Ben's, so, Ben's grinning like an idiot. Go ahead. So there's probably the coolest mechanic in this game and it's, I so I played the 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 remaster. It's like the landmark yeah, edition. Yeah, the landmark edition. So there was the original one. Then in the first retail release, which is still on the the Source engine. So the game's full of these figures. Like there's like eight of them, oh. and they just well there's f- there's four that are, uh, there's no, there's three and they appear in different cycles. Right. Like the actual textures, but there's yeah. effectively eight. In the original retail release, the way they work is that you would. They would just, yeah, they would just be, like, sitting in sort of, like, silhouetted set, positions. Yeah. Set places, yeah. Um, and if you look at them, they disappear. Yeah. So, oh. it was this, it's this thing where you'll always see them in, like, the, the, the side periphery. of your view, your peripheral, and <laughs> you'll be like, oh, what is that? And you'll look across, and they'll just disappear so before cool. you get a look at it. <sighs> and it is so trippy. and <laughs> So spooky. <laughs> oh, it's very spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where the, the screenshot I took that I talked about mm-hmm. earlier. Adam, put it up again. When I took the screenshot, I didn't realize that I actually had gotten a photo of one of the figures. Oh, I what? only realized it like a oh day after. God. I was like, wait, what is that? And I saw it. And I was like, oh, dear God. Okay, this is <laughs> just before we move on to like the, the then what it's like in the new release. Um, That shit is like the episode of Doctor Who Midnight where you know that the, the don't know if you guys remember this. I might be talking <laughs> to just myself here. Um, hey, Pat, do you watch much Doctor Who? Okay, just me then. So in uh, Adam, put the put the video up. Um, so like in in midnight, um, there's a shot where they open up the shutters of this, um, you know, like super armored spacecraft against like UV exotonic rays or whatever, and it's like this beautiful crystalline landscape. It's all lens flare and oh, stuff, yeah. and there's like a shadow that a character describes moving across the screen. Yeah. They didn't do any VFX. There's nothing moving. But you can watch like a thousand YouTube videos where yeah. they try and find and this like, creature moving. Right, yeah. Similar kind of idea where you're like, did I really see that? Well, in the new release, they, I'm pretty sure they've just tweaked it where you can actually look directly at it yeah. and it won't just disappear. Okay. But in the original one, it was you would you'd look at it and it would disappear. You could look away and it would slowly like fade mm-hmm. back into existence. It was this really cool effect that would always just like trip you up whenever you saw them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the new one, it's just like a figure that disappears when you get too close Um, i mean it still works but it's it was spookier because it was more grungy programming at the time where it was was like a bit ghetto yeah ghetto um okay let's do the obligatory walking simulator bit because i want to get to the interesting stuff Uh, yeah i just Um, wanted to gosh about the fact that no it's amazing the figure is like the coolest part of the game we'll kind of just like we'll fold that in a bit later um okay so on the topic of to interact or not to interact um i've just Throwing beer over it. Oh. Spilled his beer. Um, the biggest divide in people's opinions of the game is the lack of gameplay. No, I'm just gonna <laughs> just do this. Sorry, I don't normally leave stuff behind me because I'm looking that way. That was my fault. It's fine. I don't hit anything important. The lights are fine. It's all right. Um, the biggest divide in, opi- uh, in people's opinions of the game is the lack of gameplay. There is arguably no gameplay mechanics. You just walk. Um, are we to believe then that the critics who dislike the game for this reason are in bad faith, or they just didn't get it? Um, this is something I think that, you know, there was an article in the previous level story, uh, Danielle, that kind of speaks to this as a topic and the idea of walking simulators as a whole. Did, did you kind of have a, a view on this? I would say that there are gameplay mechanics. I mean, they're just not as defined as maybe something like typical games, I guess. Like, I mean, the fact that 
the, I mean, the only mechanic really is walking and zooming in. But I think that that's intentional. You know, the fact that you're walking, you cannot run, you have to walk, and you sort of have to pay attention to that. Uh, now, I know some people don't like that. And that article actually is written by Sam Gronseth, who is um, gains his literature on YouTube. Check him out. Yeah. So I, w- I would say there are mechanics. It's just not it's just not as as much as you typically find. I know a lot of people don't like that, but they're there. It's just not over. The, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I guess I, I, sp- I suppose most games sell themselves on like this is our unique mechanic kind of yeah. th- like there's a gameplay I, I don't want to sound cynical but like it's a gameplay like gimmick or whatever where it's like this it's it's like a Call of Duty but with bleh. it's Dark Souls <laughs> but with bleh. like there's some yeah. selling hook th- th- this game's selling point is do you enjoy Quiet Oblivion you're welcome like th- it, it, it's <laughs> yeah. sort of a different it's a different breed altogether and for me the selling point and i guess my argument against that kind of like there's no gameplay mechanic or whatever because ostensibly the argument there is just make a movie the difference yeah. with this yeah no you both made the same noise <laughs> the difference with this i think <laughs> well did you want to speak to that because i don't want to put words in you guys mouth, but this... you literally both made the same like <laughs> sigh where you were like i just don't think so like no. tell me about that i don't think this could be a movie like there's because so a lot of people will say like, oh, there's no choice. Like games got to have choice. But I think there is choice in this game. Mm-hmm. It's not a roller coaster. If anything, it's a roller coaster where you have a lever and you get to fucking yank the roller coaster onto different rails. Like mm-hmm. that's gently that's a, guided. That's a better, that's a better analogy. Cause you can act, you can go off the beaten path. You can there, you know, there are sort of like, you know, different ways to go. And most of like them will optional areas. I'm doing air quotes. But like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They'll lead to dead ends or they'll wrap you around. But you still learn something. Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, it's more, it's more content. It's, you know, it's, it's more akin to like walking around like an art gallery mm-hmm. and, you know, people wouldn't consider, you know, if you compare like an art gallery versus just like looking at the picture online you They're go like, to an art gallery. Yeah, you go to an art gallery right. and you you walk around and you pretend to understand mm-hmm. the artwork, and it's like that's part of the experience. Whereas- but, I mean, the, the narrator even analogizes the island to being like a broken museum. It's interesting to use mm-hmm. those, that turn of phrase. And I and I think even like you know the things like the uh, the figures and like the like literal the right the writing on the wall, mm-hmm. like it it adds more to it where it's not just like uh you just walk through an experience. Like you can actually. There's points of the game where you're just like, ah, oh, there's like writing on this wall and I can't really get a good view of it. Yeah. I'm going to go stand in this particular mm. spot that gives me a good view and so I can read it. And it's usually some some real biblical story. reference, which we'll get into. Yeah. yeah. But it's, you know, it's it's that like there is there is problem solving in this game where it's, you know, it's it's fairly kind of like. If, you know, you it's, could blast. It's one to one. It's not like a Tomb Raider. We have to like work out this complex. Pu- there are there is quote unquote puzzle solving, but it's it's very literal, like zero abstraction. And it's and it's and it's player driven as well. Like you can you can you know speed run Dear Esther mm-hmm. in probably like twenty minutes. But it's like yeah, you could. But it, but you, you need know, two hours to appreciate it. Yeah, hour and a half. I took my time. I like the music. Multiple playthroughs. Let's yeah. go with that. One of the things that makes it interesting is that unique randomness of the way that. You get delivered the scripted dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who sort of not in there, I haven't played it. Uh, every playthrough, there are certain set moments in the game where you get delivered particular pieces of narration. The rest of it is semi-randomized. There's like ten or twelve different iterations of every dialogue piece. So depending on what you get depends on your actual interpretation. To the point where, like, some readings, the guy who kills your wife isn't Paul. 
the guy I mentioned earlier. We'll get to that. Yeah, it's really complicated. So let's just talk about what the game is about, and then hopefully I can kind of fill in some blanks for Danielle Mm -hmm. uh, for you for sort of what the fuck is going on (laughs) um, with this game. The game is centrally about the romantic sense of an apocalypse. So the end of the... uh, You know when you talk about like apocalypse kind of stories and ideas, you're thinking like your Michael Bay's where it's like everything is ruined and you have to like survive and it's like your fallouts, we have to gun down all the mutants or The Last of Us, we have to brick a zombie in the face to survive. This is like a different kind of apocalypse. It's like the apocalypse of humanity, Mm -hmm. I guess, where the end of the world as dreamt by someone who's lost their world in a single accident. And it's this weird version of that where it's like told through a metaphor of an island and a man named Connolly and then this weird shadowy observer. And I think that Waypoint's uh, Cameron uh, Kunzelman summarizes the game perfectly, so I'm going to read a quote from him. Uh, Waypoint is now Vice Games. I don't know what to call them anymore. Quote, Diresto tells the story of a man whose life has been shattered by the death of his partner in a car accident. Or it tells the story of a ghost tracing the path of a man across an island. Or it tells the story of a man named Paul who caused a car accident that killed a woman and who has been driven into a third-person narrative about his own life. Interpretations vary as to the plot, most of which has to do with the randomized voiceover and physical objects within the game. The pieces of the narrative and world-building that you get are, within bounds, fairly random. End quote. So that kind of goes to what you were saying, Ben, where, like, depending on how you play it, Depends on what you actually see and experience. Yeah. So you could take the interpretation of like the basic interpretation is you're on this island, you're kind of this drunk who doesn't really have much to live for. You've gone there to die basically, and you carve the lines into the cliff so that no one rescues you. You hurt your leg. You chug up on painkillers. You jump off a cliff and die. That's you, the basic uh, you idea. Turn into a bird, David. Sorry, you turn into a bird. Yeah, come excuse on me. Now. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Sorry. Um, it's not a metaphor. That's literal. And that Paul is the drunk driver who killed your wife, who insists he wasn't drunk; he was just tired. The, I, I guess for me, like what the game is about is this idea that it, it's a world without humanity. Like I think other games, it's like that are very similar. Like there's something to preserve. Like you'd be fighting against some oncoming tide of like whether it's the zombies or like the whatever the the thing is. There's some motivation to save humanity. This game is just empty, and it forces you to think about your world and the relationship to it. And Kunzelman posits the game is about going on despite everything. And I'm gonna read you guys this quote. And I want to get your opinion on it. Um, so it's from Kunzelman in the same article about Deresta, where he's talking about this is a kind of uh, semiotic apocalypse, and he says, "quote." It's about reconciling with a loss or a great tragedy and then somehow scraping through it with the recognition that somehow things never seem to truly be over. DRS's protagonist drops into empty air, but the game ends on wings that fly us to another place. That transformation from human to bird, that's the work. End quote. It's about enduring. It's about turning into a bird. Wait. It's about becoming a bird. Yeah. Um... It's tr- it's anamorph anamorph anamorphs oh, anamorphs oh. almost said anamorphics yeah oh. how dare you um, yeah <laughs> Sorry. remind us of anamorphs jeez um, but like given the themes of the game like it's some heavy shit guys like this this game is so drenched in its own kind of uh, over symbolic semiotic kind of idea of a like you know when when the person you love dies whether it be if you know if you have the reading of like paul as you as the narrator at your own hand whether it's the unfortunate accident of a drunk or tired driver whether it's that you could have done more like there's something kind of fatalistic to it yeah and the 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 randomness is interesting because like my like when the when i played this game for the first time and like my big takeaway is always 
just the Damascus reference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like I try to play this game and not think about it, but it literally just screams at you. On also, the it's in big it. white, big white writing on the yeah. wall at the end. So, like, like it's it's hard to avoid the Paul Saul Damascus story, biblical. Oh story. shit, Paul Saul! That just clicked for me. Seriously? Oh god. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, god. Hi, David. Welcome to oh, the bi- shit. Welcome to the biblical reading of oh, yeah. this game. Oh. Um, yeah, that's that's like the biggest one. Um, David's just having a moment because he. It's, I've like, it's I spent been like seven years. I, I spent seven just, years. I spent twenty hours researching for this you, you fucking didn't episode. Pick up on the, oh my on god! Well, they have different letters at the start, don't they? Well, so Paul, Paul and Saul becomes Saul, or Saul no. becomes Paul. Yeah, it's, Saul becomes Paul. And it, there's the whole blinding and rah, fuck rah, rah, rah. me. Okay, All yeah. Right. So that's probably like it's one been of a the minutes since I read the Bible, gang. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably like one of the biggest references in this and it's interesting that like most most of the readings you get can s- still kind of neatly fit into you know that box of like you know the biblical story mm-hmm. which is you know that's kind of just like good writing it does it's not like the most subtle of readings well you'll be interested to know my reading doesn't contain that because i just learned that oh. and <laughs> and it's interesting that the the writing of the all the Damascus stuff and the you know all of the quotes from the bible is also the same sort of like bioluminescence paint that is used to just draw a bunch of like electrical circuits and also Wait, organic the, chemistry it's diagrams. Like his, yeah. It's like his neurons in his body or whatever. Yeah, but it is, there's like actual technical like oh, okay. electrical wiring drawings. So someone sat down and worked out. I'm sure that someone's worked out. Oh, most of it's just oh, like transformers. That would be cool. Um, okay. So like electrical transformers. Um, yeah. yeah, like I, again, when I was 20... 2012 when i played this game for the first time i was like such a nerd and i'm <laughs> like of, i'm gonna figure this out a lot of free time i got a little bit i'm pretty sure there's like most of the um organic chemistry diagrams are just ethanol well because he's a fucking alcoholic yeah, yeah. Uh, haven't figured out the electrical diagrams because it could be anything i don't know it could it's be the nature of electricity then there are diagrams where it's like an organic chemistry diagram except everything is like electrical diagram yeah. icons it's it's this weird where it's like that actually doesn't make any sense mm. um and it's like it's this weird like it's almost like they're like melding together which again kind of comes to this the, like transitionary the, the re- idea the reality and the, the fictive and the okay so the random nature of the playthroughs means there's no canonical dear esther story right which i think that's kind of what grief is like too i think <laughs> but but I, th- I think there's a deliberateness to that metafictiveness where because the tones and ideas and everything is so muddled and like the fact that like some of the diagrams are real and some of them aren't and some of the equations are real and some of them aren't i i think it provides this brilliant contrast for the player where they have no ch- quote-unquote choice in what happens like effectively like the game ends the same way every time yeah um but the grief is experienced differently each time and I think the gap between your ability to control the grief and the randomness of the grief is the point of the game in some ways. There's a kind of texture to that because grief is esoteric and does not follow a set of rules. It's it's like the game is trying to, in a meta sense, like simulate that emotion where each time you revisit the if you've lost if you've lost someone every time you reimagine or oh, the last time we spoke or, or or that accident it is always different and it, you know maybe it was Paul this time maybe it was me this time there's 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 kind of a dreamlike quality to it yeah. and in a weird way in a kind of meta way it does illustrate and render that in the strangest like most accurate way possible like when I play this I think of like someone that I've lost personally who passed away and it's just like it, it there's something about it the registers where it just is so there's something non-real about it 
that's kind of what grief is i think yeah all you can do is come to terms with it to me yeah and i think that like the the middle part of this game is probably like the funkiest mm -hmm. that's where like most people are just like what is this game doing um you the, know, you, the middle part being ah uh, the cave the cave, the cave. Yeah. you spend a lot of time just like jumping in and out of water mm -hmm. um you know there's there's the pit just before the cave where the game offers you a pit to fall into um you know i absolutely took that option do you think but the wait, game just is like, there an option not to you yeah. don't have to um, okay i didn't know. i'm pretty you can walk around it most people oh. just fucking I didn't tally well that's a, that's a gameplay mechanic yeah. if there ever was one so that is like a choice but it, you know you jump in the game just resets you oh. you can just walk around that pit oh okay wait, really yeah. Oh. yeah most people don't <laughs> daniel and i like what the fuck yeah, no, most, we tried. thought that was you had to right in. there's some like legitimate like platforming sections in this game yeah there's some areas where you can access, which is like it's really finicky to get to, and okay. because you can't jump and you can't sprint, and you, have you to can just only be walk. Good. Not good. It's just like it's a challenge. Yeah, like at the very start where there's that we go up the cliff, or you can go down onto mm -hmm. the beach, and you go up the cliff, and then you eventually just kind of fall down mm -hmm. to the beach. You can kind of get past that first one, and there's like a little cave on the side. Yeah, they give you that challenge again the second time. It's impossible to do that one. You just fall straight down. Did either of you die at all? Uh, I can't. No, I don't. Apart know you... from jumping into the pit, no. I don't know. You, you can die. Can you? Um, I mean, you'll just come back to life. Like, but wait, did you? I did. I did it on purpose <laughs> when I first started playing the game. When you start out on that dock. Oh my god! I walked into yeah. the water just to see what would happen. Oh, hey, um, yeah. Adam, put a clip up of that. Shit. Okay. <laughs> wow. All right. Hey, this Adam, all news download to me. DRS or and play. Yeah. Walk into the water. He's got a job to do. No, don't talk to him like that. Well, um, well, I think when you kind of realized that and you went into the rest of the game, like, did that change? Not change your opinion, but like, how do you think that kind of shaped what you were looking at? Well, it, it didn't really change it. It just made it feel more interactive and like I could experiment with things. Um, but what's interesting, too, about when you die is that uh, the narrator whispers, come back. Yeah. Same thing happens when you jump in the pit. Yeah. Oh, really? And then he whispers, Esther, Esther, Esther at the end. We're all just having different experiences. I, I just, because I, oh, God, it's, I'm like, <laughs> that might be on purpose. Well, there's trophies, you know, for dying. There's, there's achievements for jumping oh, in the I don't pit. Look at that so you stuff. know I jumped in the okay. pit. You know I jumped in the pit. Yeah. I need that game in school. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I guess let's dig into some of the imagery and metaphors and allegory and the meaty meat and potatoes of this. Let's talk about new wave allegory that this game borrows from. Um, to be clear, do you guys know much about Oscar Wilde? Duh, yeah, sure. Ben nodded, bit. he's lying. Uh, <laughs> Daniel? I, somewhat. I, I've read Dorian Gray. <laughs> That's about Okay, yeah. so you've read the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's a good touch point. So, like, the, the, the kind of previous romantic era was, like, sort of informed... He was, like, parodying that. So, the, the it's an easy touch point for most people. So, the idea was that, like, romanticism was heightened reality, like, you, you know, you're beautiful maidens, you're dashing handsome princes, but in real life. Like, you're Victorian era, fancy people, everything's beautiful. The kind of after that, the new wave of that was, like, everything was allegorical so everything was like a version of that right and it all meant something else so like the fancy suit was a metaphor for for his self-esteem and like the dress was a metaphor for like her whatever like it was all sort of allegorical and semiotic and pinchback who wrote the game cites the work of william s burroughs as an inspiration for the game and the script uh, in particular the non-linear narrative um the indirect metaphor building where he spends the whole game uh is like the hermit metaphor and a bunch of other stuff but particularly the confessional aspects of the script so if you get the Paul version where Paul is the narrator speaking in third person, this whole game is like a confession of killing his wife uh, or killing a woman. 
Um, and there's kind of three key images that are built throughout the game. So I want to touch on each of the three and get you guys perspective on them. So I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you what the metaphor is, read you a quote, and then kind of get you guys to react to it. So the island as a metaphor for isolation, which is super obvious, versus the metaphor for his body, but we'll get to that. So quote, Dear Esther, I found myself to be as featureless as this ocean, as shallow and unoccupied as this bay, a listless wreck without identification. My rocks are these bones and a careful fence to keep the precipice at bay. Shot through my caves, my forehead and mount, this area will transmit into me so. All over exposed the nervous system where Donnelly's boots and yours and mine still trample. I will carry a torch for you and will leave it at the foot of my headstone. You will need it for the tunnels that carry me under. End quote. And what he's basically what that's alluding to is the island is kind of the thing that he's buried in. It's kind of his mausoleum. Um, and we see that through the 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 chemical paintings on the walls. Um, the fact that he alludes to this idea that the the island sprung up the moment she died. Um, you know, the car underwater, all that sort of thing. Like it's kind of the, this mausoleum of his life. The letters spread out on the beach as these boats going out to shore. When you guys go through the game and you think about this idea of like the island as this metaphor for his kind of singular isolation and the grief does that work for you because that that's one of the biggest things people talk about is like that's the meaning of the game that's the like the island is him it's his grief it's his guts and bowels are in the caves the 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 abandoned homes are the kind of abandoned granaries and the brickeries of his life where he's kind of since his wife died he's you know stopped taking care of himself he doesn't have any friends anymore he's drinking all the time he's an alcoholic like does that work for you Gosh, I have no idea. Um, the for me, the island is weird because there's you get this sense that you're you're taking a path that has been travelled before, and especially travelled like a lot before, and is the kind of path that is possible to walk through. Like it's the island's very convenient in the way that it's laid out. It's all it's all you know for for how like exploratory the game is. It's very much, you know, there's there's paths, there's rickety fences, even the caves just kind of like give you bridges over mm-hmm. rivers. Like there's, you know, you jump into a waterfall here and they're like, yeah, sure, who doesn't? Um, it's all fairly like, you know, the, the paths just being laid out for our main character. There's sort of like some like running theories sort of talk about how this path that our main character is walking is like, like a regular pilgrimage he takes like every day and only once you actually step into the player does he actually like complete it and go up to the the beacon um yeah if you sort of map out like the route he goes he does kind of you know he makes it to like yeah. one end it loops around yeah and it does kind of loop around a bit like it's you know he doesn't really but, go that far. but even even the raider one is about that delusion because he, he says quote i find myself easily slipping into the into the delusional state of ascribing purpose, deliberate motive to everything here. Was this island formed during the moment of impact, when we were torn loose from our moorings and the seatbelts cut motorway lanes into our chests and shoulders? Did it first break surface then? Quote. I think, like, he's wondering too. He's like, it seems too convenient. Like, even the fact that the the boy or the, the, um, the house that he lives in is at, like, the apex of one side and the towers at the apex of the other. Yeah. Like, it's this constant questioning of reality. Yeah, it's like, is this a path he travels every day? Is that why it's so convenient? Or is it just that this isn't real? And this is the first time it's ever happened. Is it a metaphor for something else? Like, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I just think it's, it's fascinating. It's probably a metaphor. I mean... It's probably a metaphor. I mean, it probably is a metaphor. I don't know if I like the metaphor. I mean, it's fine, but it seems like a more... 
funnily enough, like more of a literal reading than any of the other takes I imagine there would be just because you are walking this island. It does make it seem like it belongs to him. Like it could, like, I feel like that's the first one that I would jump to. And then I'd be like, eh, I don't know. Well, I guess, I guess then we, we can skip to the next one because for me, that's like the top. That's like what most people read it as. So the, the other one is like the ghostly figures um, as being kind of this, this, this asymmetrical representation of grief and loss. And like, in a way, Esther, the dead wife, because they're always in the periphery by necessity in the original game. They're kind of like loss uh, in some ways where like they're the representation of the person you've lost. They're always unattainable forever beyond your reach, but also never reconcilable. Like, it doesn't matter how many times you look at that thing and then look away. It's always going to be there as you look back. So in in, in some ways, um, and I've lost the quote here because it's not, it's not in this saved document, but there was a particular games writer, and I'll put him in the in the description, who talked about that literal mechanic of looking, like, when you're looking away, you can see them, and as you look back, they disappear. Like, that's kind of how grief is. The minute you kind of reflect on things, that person appears, but when you're kind of living your life, they're not there. A quote from the game. Uh, that I think speaks to this quote. I have become convinced I'm not alone here, even though I'm equally sure it is simply a delusion brought on by circumstance. I do not, for instance, remember where I found the candles or why I took it upon myself to light such a strange pathway. Perhaps it is only for those who are bound to follow. Quote. Which kind of goes to what Ben was talking about before, which is like there's a reading where you're just following this like ghostly trail of someone that's been on the island. Yeah. Or are the candles real at all? Like there's just, there's so many layers that... Did it, this is why my issue with the game starts to appear where there's so many different readings of it that it's almost indeliberate. One of the possible figure locations is inside the first building. If you go inside and you look up the um, lighthouse, mm-hmm. one of the figures can be at the top looking down. Mm-hmm. Oh. That is one of the possible. I try, I checked when I played and it wasn't there. I was like, damn it, I wanted that one. Okay. Um, but that, like, you know, that's at the very start of the game. Oh, that's one a of lot, the figures yeah. is there. The idea of the figures is that they are there for the whole game. There's no like point where it's like, all right, now they start appearing. It's just supposed to be always. It's yeah, it's, they're just present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What was your kind of take on them, Danielle? Not having the kind of emotional baggage we have with this. Like, did did you kind of have a reading on the figures? I, I did. I, I just thought that it was supposed to be like a haunting element, like somebody was following me, especially because, like I said, when I first played the game and I saw a figure, I first thought because I hadn't seen anything up to that point. So I was like, oh, like, is this all leading to somebody waiting for me? Like, am I meeting somebody? And when it disappeared, I'm like, OK, did I just did, did I just see something and it wasn't correct? Mm-hmm. Like, and. When I saw it again this past time, then I was like, okay, something's going on. But I don't see, I think I saw them enough to form a real opinion, okay. to be honest, because it all happened so infrequently. And once I did realize it, I was more like kind of shaken a little the one time because it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so weird. It is but, pretty creepy. Yeah. 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 It's one of those like fourth or fifth playthrough things where it like starts to sink in where you're like, they're everywhere. Yeah, well, I don't think there's any in the caves. Oh. They're only outside. But the caves are... The caves that's, are that's when you descend into his mind. The caves are their, own, well. their yeah. own thing. Yeah. I mean, okay, let's talk about then because that's a good segue to like the grief as an affection of the mind. So there's a, there's, a, there's a comment that he makes when he's talking about the island itself where he describes the, um, the cliffs have a white chalk beneath them. And when someone on the island is dying, um, they'll, they'll carve horizontal lines into the cliff mm. to signal to the mainland um, that, that someone's dying. And the mainland will f- 
leave them alone for a period of time, whether it's an infection or it's just like to leave the, the dead to grieve. The idea being when you carve those lines in, whoever's on the island right now is going to be left alone for a period of time. Yeah. Uh, and then when the when the sea has eroded those lines back into the cliff face, then someone can go to the island again. Mm. So th- there's sort of this, this timeline put on the island where it's like it is ancient. Um, it has been there for a long time. Um, whether the island is a metaphor for grief or whatever, whatever you might take it as, that literal statement as a mechanic of a world i think kind of speaks to that where you know you it takes an age for these kind of infections to wear off um and to go away and like he's this kind of you know his wife has died he can't really get over it and he sort of goes into the bowels of his mind and goes into the bowels of of, of this addiction with the you know the alcohol and the you know he hurts his leg because he's drunk coming down the hill um and he chugs the diazepam and the painkillers and he goes into the caves so I, i guess like the, the caves themselves which is just a real weird trippy sequence yeah. <laughs> yeah. um what do you guys take from that or what do you think of the caves um in general given that kind of framing device of before you get into them he's like when you're dying you carve the white lines of the cliffs when you come out of the caves the white lines are in the cliffs but you never carve them yourself for me the caves come back to the biblical reference sort of at the at the very start of the game you're you're the the um the light of the beacon is very obviously framed as like the goal. Mm. Um, he even also, comments on it. Yeah. yeah, there's a few narration bits of like I'm going to the beacon, so you're like, all right, that's where we're going, and pretty much up until the point where you go into the caves, that you know they they put it in a place. Pretty sure it physically would have to like move to different locations. It does. For, yeah. 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 But they always make it visible. Um, going into the caves, sort of like this idea of blindness from the the light. Um, if you would say, yeah. um, the metaphor kind of breaks down when you then leave the caves yeah, and it's, you know, yeah. quote unquote, I, regain your sight, but doesn't, yeah, the, I sort of see that, yeah, the caves for me is always that idea of like, it's based on that, like biblical reference of Paul going to Damascus. It's mm-hmm. the, it's, it's sort of like that representation of like, not really knowing where you're going, but just kind of like, just. Well, just going, f- just walking ahead. for, yeah, just just moving and going where you believe you have to go, and eventually making it to the the Damascus. Place. Well, he gets there and he realizes that it's not what it was all cracked up to be. In in the game, I don't mean the actual right. Bible verse, but right. like it, there's kind of there's an element to it where I guess I don't know the the parallel of the infection doesn't quite gel with the metaphor of the the road to Damascus because he's blinded on the road to Damascus because of his lack of faith. Yeah. Are we then to believe that in the game is his lack of faith in his ability to get back to Esther? Like, is it, is it him trying to convince himself to, you know, pass through the grief or commit suicide, whatever you're reading is on the ending. Like it just doesn't, there's something about it. There's some misalignment of the, of the allegory and the execution that I can never quite pass where, it just doesn't quite sit for me. Honestly, like my more shallow takeaway from the cave was just this is probably the first game that I honestly felt like I would love to have uh, a VR headset just to walk through. Them. <laughs> oh my god! Because I literally felt like I was in a ride simulator from like like Disney World or something. Like it's crazy, right? Yeah. 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 It reminded. There's a ride at Disney. Um, it's one of those that stupid avatar area um in florida and <laughs> okay it's like a boat ride a dark ride and it has like kind of these bright blue neon colors and like you know those uh sort of mushrooms you see along the floor 
Or like the bioluminescence. Yeah. Yes, that's what it looked like. That ride that I'd just been on like a year ago, and so I'm watch- like I'm going through this, and I'm like, it felt very almost nostalgic in a way that I know the game wasn't going for, but that was totally okay. what I was feeling as I was going through. Like I would love to put on a VR headset with this. I don't. I wonder if it has VR support. There's probably a way it to get must. It. Someone's yeah, modded that if it doesn't. Yeah, 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 that's that's such a fascinating thought. Honestly, I think that would be like even more depressing. Um, Probably. Like, so the ending this... would be terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. All oh, the stuff yeah, the you ending, look I'm for. just thinking about like the flying. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, jumping. exactly. Yeah. That's the dream, isn't oh, it? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, like Pinchback scripts, you know, leans into that a lot. Like that idea of like, I mean, the caves in particular are like such a highlight of his interest in this symbolism, this metaphor, this kind of semiotic language that I think his idea was you bury the player in so much metaphor and symbolism that they just have to take what they can from it. Like, they'll just pick and choose and be like, I'll take this, I'll take that, I'll take that. The problem is, if you read the script as a whole, it doesn't work. So I've I've read the literal script mm. oh, God. for this. Um, yeah. I have a lot of free time these days. <laughs> um, read the whole script, played it a few times, and went, okay, I can kind of see how it works because you don't get all of it. But I think when you have all of it, it just kind of... It's so symbolism heavy. Like, you know, when you read, like, like Lovecraft is kind of mentioned at the start, but like, you know how like everything with him is like languid language. It's like, it's like the kind of everything has to be over described and you can't just say something's read. It has to be sanguine. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's that a, kind of writing. It's all a bit racist. And well, also, well this isn't racist, but yeah, well, yeah. A little, a little. just a little, little xenophobic. Um, but like the melting of reality, metaphor, flesh, mind, physical and emblematic are well-written, but I think in my opinion, struggle to find purchase sometimes. But I guess for me, if we're talking about a takeaway from this game, Yeah, there's not a lot going on gameplay-wise, but what they've tapped into is an atmosphere and a tone and a deliberateness. There is there is a sharp focus in this game, like the the lilting music, the piano, Mm -hmm. the narration, the way the narration is delivered. The the narrator in this game deserves a fucking raise because (laughs) there is a moment when you walk past the words Damascus on the rock, and he starts to just rant at you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's some powerful stuff. Like it's like some good voice (laughs) acting, and I think. If we're talking about, you know, what game should aspire to be or what makes a game good or what makes a game meaningful, that deliberateness is the key thing. It's not written by a committee. It's written by one dude, it's produced by one guy, and it's made by four people. Mm. I think the deliberateness of this game, much like Firewatch, is why I think it has value. I have a quote from Stephen King that I kind of like to end on because I think it Mm. speaks to this kind of quiet kind of death of humanity, this kind of weird solipsistic kind of guttural silent oblivion thing this game is going for whether you like it or not and whether you want to think about it or not i don't know but it's from wolves of Kala, uh, and it's quote do we say the world will end in fire or ice gunslinger roland considered this neither he said at last i think in darkness end quote do we have any recommendations for this week oh gosh uh i don't know but i feel like after playing this we should play um uh, the Stanley Parable. Yes, I've never a, played it. Me neither. The Stanley Parable came out after this, and a Mere lot of people lauded it as like, oh, it's like Dear Esther, but better. Um, Interesting. Even though it's just, it's Dear Esther, but just different. Mm. And it's it's a very different game, but it, it, it kind of, you know, it came out before Firewatch after Dear Esther, and it was sort of lauded as like, the game with the best writing it won a few awards it's a good one um, okay and it kind of it kind of follows this line of like you know what do we do with the games now what do we do about the video games good question. yeah uh danielle what about you do you have any uh, recommendations you know it's funny i was i was really thinking about this last night 
done <laughs> trying to figure out like what would I recommend I don't know because I've definitely read like it came across as like a novelistic like t- like type of game and so I, I know I've read novels kind of like this so like this is like a very abstract recommendation but it's like kind of an out of order uh example of storytelling um but please it's out there the prime of miss jean brody um by muriel spark have you ever heard of that no No, we just died internally because we thought you were going to say house of leaves (laughs) oh my gosh okay recommendation we just you were leading us down the house of leaves that was like a garden path the look (laughs) on ben's face was like is she gonna say it like oh my god i've never read house of leaves yet uh no that's probably way better That's probably way oh, better. Sorry, like, <laughs> sorry. What was what was the one you were no, gonna recommend? Sorry, I was just gonna say the Prime of Machine Brody, just because it like kind of it it does linear storytelling, but it kind of like takes and chooses different scenes to tell it. It's much less abstract, but that was the only thing I could think of, honestly, other than maybe okay. We the Animals, uh, whose author I forget, but it was made into a film, which I haven't seen mm-hmm. yet. Um, and that was mm-hmm. kind of out of order, but. But kind of the similar storytelling where, like, it's very abstract a lot of times and you don't know what's going on. Um, but, again, yeah, I had a hard time. Or, okay, one more, I no. promise. Like, Martha, yeah. Marcy, okay. May, Marlene. <laughs> uh, it's a film. Very good. Very abstract, but still linear. Still. Still linear. It's know. hard, isn't it? House of Leaves. House of Leaves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've, look, mine this week, I've been, I've been replaying Bloodborne. Um, I have a clinical problem with the Salisbourne franchise. I'm yeah. replaying that again. Uh, I've been re- I've been watching Star Trek Discovery at a friend's recommendation. Jeez. It's really fucking good, guys. <laughs> I was because expe- I'm a big Star Trek fan. I've been, I was rewatching Next Gen, and a friend of mine from work was like, "You got to peep a new one." I was like, "I don't know, man. Like, oh, I don't know if I yeah. fuck with new Star Trek." It's so good, so yeah. highly recommend. Uh, otherwise, I just finished the third uh, and final book in the latest Edge Chronicle series. It's the last one ever. Uh, it's I can't think of it's, it's like the the Descenders. Um, it's not great, but check it out. It's like the final one of the series. Like I don't know. It's it's a milestone. It's a series that's gone on since like two thousand two. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, I've been reading Rowan of Wren for a video oh, we have coming up, which we can't talk about. Oh my lord, Rowan uh, of Wren! What a flashback. Yeah, so I've been reading that, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, otherwise, Ben, where can people find us? Facebook at DCM Work Social. To think about it. Uh, uh tw- shit. YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube.com/slash DCM Works. Twitter. At DCM underscore works. Patreon. Patreon.com slash DCM works. Uh, you can head there, head there to support us. Uh, you get access to post shows when we have the time to do them, as well as uh, exclusive interviews behind the scenes, bunch of additional content. There's like 70 plus hours behind the scenes, and it just helps us pay for what we do. We have a bunch of staff now, so it really does help us out. Uh, Danielle, if people wanted to find you on the internet, support your work, obviously with levelstory.net, was there anywhere else you wanted to point them to? Uh, yeah. Um, is it okay if I mention my Patreon? Yeah, plug plug everything. Plug everything. <laughs> so I do have a Patreon page for Level Story, and that is mm-hmm. patreon.com slash level story. Uh, so if you want to go support that, you can. Uh, but I'm also Please on do. if uh, social media like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram uh, under the handle Level Story Mag, or on Tumblr and Twitch under just Level Story. Excellent. Anything else? Or, so I guess check out the latest issue of Level Story Magazine. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Yeah, I've been enjoying it. Um, it's kind of uh, it's kind of done my head in learning about the fan base <laughs> and how they react to stuff. So I'm sort of thoroughly enjoying that one. You should play the game, honestly. I mean, I'll always recommend it, even though like it can be crazy, but I'd always recommend it. I, it's one of my favorite games. 
I just... It's got a very, very good intro. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's very fun. Is it, is it on the PlayStation 4? It, you can get all the video. You can get all of them on the PS4. Okay. Yeah. There's like a collection. That's all I play on these days. Yeah. If it's not on the Switch or the Nintendo, uh, the PlayStation 4. You can I'm borrow it off it. me. Okay. I have a copy there you of go. it. Uh, all right. Thank I will. you, Ben. I promise. I promise. <laughs> no excuse. I'll do it for you, Danielle. Um, I'm sure we'll have you on again before long for yeah. some other game with a convoluted narrative. Um, but thanks, thanks for taking the time and joining us. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun once. Yeah. Uh, trying to think if we have any. Oh, uh, so my big, the big first video project is out. Um, about wow. my first book. Oh yeah, that one. Uh, you can go check that out. Um, and also, if you're a Patreon subscriber, uh, you can actually buy the poster. I think when this goes live, um, of that book cover, if you wanted to for some reason. <laughs> some well, Crystal's reason. art is so good. I don't know why you wouldn't yeah. want to. Um, and you can hang it on a wall. No one knows what it has to mean. So you can go check that <laughs> out. Uh, otherwise, if you subscribe to our top tier, you can actually get the book itself. But I'll put a post up for that later. Otherwise, if you want to follow us individually, I'm at DCM Hey I'm at Literal Citrus. Danielle, do you have a handle? Oh, I'm at, uh, wait, hang on. Sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's kind of confusing. There's an underscore. It's this underscore is Danielle. Excellent. Otherwise, oh. we'll see you guys. Yep. You were going to do a thing. Ben, ben no. Lo- no. Okay. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>